brain Welcome into his frequency Enter at your own risk Come be at peace with me Ask the call Where we rise and don't fall Tina Marie Wolfield. How are you, Tina Marie? I am fabulous, Baxter. How are you? I'm doing just fine. And it's always great to chat with you. We have to tell the audience that we had plans on recording months ago, but we had we hadn't caught up and we ended up spending too much time catching up. And we didn't have time to record. We said, you know what? Let's not rush it. Let's come back. And here we are. So Yes, two, that was two glorious hours of amazing conversation <laughs> that we forgot to press record because we were so into it, but yeah, yeah. always well, a pleasure. Yes, yes. So I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you um, and really talking about the book to begin with. First of all, um, I was at the HR Unite event. Uh, oh my gosh, what month was that? Was that... July of July. 2021. Yes. And you, mm-hmm. you told you told the story about kind of your reluctancy to even start to write the book. Can you talk about your reason for, for writing the book and sort of some of the things that you, the appreh- where the apprehension stemmed from it and how you got over that? So that's a really good question. This, uh, the book, um, Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, is really uh, my own HR group therapy. And I wrote it um, as part of me processing things that I was experiencing in my HR uh, day-to-days. And I was reluctant to write it. And the story about how this all came about, I was actually writing something else and I had something in dabbling in writing. And I was sitting in a leader's office that I supported. And he's actually one of the best leaders I've ever worked for. His name is Gerald Chittick. He is in marketing. He is just an all-around great human and mentor. But we were doing uh, budgeting and talent um, planning, so plan- development planning for his team. And we were, I was sitting in his office one day in February of 2018. And Gerald looked at me and he said, so when's your book coming out? In the middle of us talking about, well, let's, you know, we have this much conference dollars, we can do this stretch development opportunity, and then uh, what you're writing. And <laughs> I, uh, I kind of sat back and I just looked at him and he said, well, you, you're different than the others, you got a story to tell. And so from that conversation, I mean, I, I immediately didn't respond and we continued on, but I thanked him and, and we had further discussions, but Gerald is really the person that helped me because we, again, having a collaborative partnership, especially in HR, when you're proactively engaging with your stakeholders and doing things is not necessarily at least, you know, been the way most HR people have approached HR, right? Sometimes we're reactive or we're very tactical, but putting yourself out there, sitting in a strategic planning meeting for, um, you know, a certain division of the company isn't something we normally would want to participate in, but here's me, very curious, wanted to do it. So I thank Gerald for his nudging me to say, you are doing something different and you need to tell others about this. Uh, And uh, not the fact that Gerald's just not a brilliant leader, but the fact that it kind of nudged me in the direction of, well, let me talk about some of the challenges I've had 
or let me tell my story so it can benefit others. And I wrote it not to be an Amazon bestseller, but really for me, just to help me navigate better as an HR professional and hopefully help somebody else along the way. Uh, and, uh, you know, if your story connects somebody and they can find a connection and it has an impact and then they take your story and, and weave it into theirs, you're doing something right. Agree, agree. And I, I think about the, the stories that are in there. I think about just having conversations with you in general and, you know, the number of HR people that, that I've worked with and talked to over the years, like, um, you get it, you've been in it and you kind of are able to paint these pictures that folks have experienced that, that they can kind of relate to, right? They don't, you know, um, sometimes HR can feel like you're kind of out on an island and, and you don't have anyone that's kind of looking out for you. And, and, and so this, this book really, I'm sure, really spoke to a lot of people and, and gave them some confidence that, okay, I'm not alone here. And, and, and maybe I am onto something, the, the wacky stuff that they're telling me I'm wacky here, but maybe I am onto something. And there's, there's some, some, you know, some value in what I'm trying to attempt. Absolutely. And I will say one thing as I shared with work and didn't, I mean, there was times along the way where, I mean, I absolutely, absolutely maybe stumbled and it was what I learned from that experience that I helped apply it and recognize there's not a one size fit all to building relationships and, and building that HR trust and credibility in the organization. So some things work, some things don't, but it's okay to fail and it's okay to be curious. And it's first things first, in order to build trust and credibility, we have to build relationships internally and notoriously HR has been very insular. Sometimes we're reactive and we have you know, people only see us when bad things are happening in the employee life cycle versus, hey, I'm here to be, you know, help you in good times and in bad, not just when you need us. We're here to help you, not just, you know, for those times where you think it's transactional. It's a transaction. Check the box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we must acknowledge your, your coworkers today. We kind of hear a little, hear them a bit in the background. Um, yeah, okay. Dalton, I'm sorry. That is, um, <laughs> my intern is on a pit, uh, and uh, I'm hoping um, that uh, his uh, two-legged master, which will be home in the next three minutes, is going to come take care of that. So hopefully <laughs> he'll be, sorry about that. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, one of the things that the notes that I took down was the, the department of no. Right, and just trying to shake that stigma. Um, do you recall when like HR changed from this much more like this transactional sort of department and entity uh, to like more of a collaborative sort of partner inside of like the, the workforce? I think there's an evolution and I'm going to humbly state, I may not look like it, but uh, I started HR when it was personnel and, you know, we were viewed as an administrative process, you know, making sure that we, you know, filed the right things to remain compliant, that we paid employees. So 
we started out as this administrative nature um, versus when you have humans involved and you want to be a resource. And I'm even, he, you know, it's even tra transformational in what we're calling HR now from people to um, all these amazing things. But um, for me, I just recognized this was not the way that I wanted to practice HR. And part of that was from a curiosity. And I didn't necessarily talk about this in the book, but many of you that know me have probably heard the story where I worked for a leader and the first answer to everything was no. And it drove me crazy. Like I would come to him to say, well, can we do this? No. And I would be like, why is everything answered no? And he's like, well, in order for you to engage with leadership, you got to come back with the how and the why. And so he started building this, this curiosity in me. And, and I started wanting to learn more about the business because in order to find the how and the why, you have to know what's going on, right? Because it's not just about us in HR, but how does this impact others? And I can thank Jim, um, my, my former leader is a VP of HR I worked for earlier in my career for that. Uh, as much as he knows, it drove me crazy. I mean, literally in, in a good way. Um, but when I recognize that that knows an opportunity, um, and so from an HR department, we are always answering no to everything versus we need to be more comfortable before we say no to ask the right questions to say how and why, like, why do you want to do this? Or how would you like to do this? So we can kind of tailor solutions and then know is an opportunity to collaborate. So Jim, if you're watching it, which you probably aren't, um, but just in case, Jim, I appreciate you and I thank you for kind of lighting that fire uh, and allowing me to take that curiosity and for me to take HR out of HR and out to the people. And in that organization, we started you know, bringing HR to the departments, to our offsite locations and really building that trust. Um, so when I would walk into the to the department or to another office at three o'clock on a Friday, uh, they weren't thinking somebody was getting terminated because they would all scatter and run. It was more along the lines of, oh, Tina Marie's here. You know, how can, how can she help? And I yeah. literally brought food. Um, I started earning this trust because when I first started walking in, there was this legacy based of not that Jim did this. So I'm saying Jim was not bad, but um, when you, the sphere of HR, right? The Grim Reaper, we're the department of no, who's getting fired. No, we don't like it when we fire people. It's it's about 1% of our job, right? Yeah. Um, if you like firing people, get out. I'm pulling your HR card. That's right. Uh, but, you know, when you start taking HR to the people, for me, when I first started showing up, there was this fear and reluctance and I showed up with food, preferably chocolate and cookies, because that brings people together and it's a conversation starter. And it's kind of like, look at, I'm here in good faith and it's building peak trust. Offering. Yeah, it's my peace offering. And I, it allowed me to start building relationships because the reason I was going out in the field is because I wanted to learn more. How can we help them be better, which helps us create profits and revenues, but is curiosity. So you, you, you mentioned curiosity. Um, a number of times, and I think, and I, I always share this with people, is I think that uh, one of the like secret ingredients to just like really successful people is a, like true like curiosity, and I feel like um, that that isn't something that people always really embrace, 
Um, have you always been curious? Was this something that sort of, like you mentioned, like Jim sort of priding and 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 sort of uh, challenging you to come up with the with the hows and whys? Like, was it was it something that you were always sort of curious and you had to sort of trans? You didn't know how it necessarily transferred to like your HR role, or is it something you had to develop, like a skill you had to develop over time? So I think it's finding your voice and recognizing when curiosity is a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, so there are, you know, when you ask a lot of questions, um, you know, people may view that as a positive or negative, but what helped me evolve my curiosity into a power of good is when I spend more time listening and then being very deliberate in my questions. And that way it shows intent and it shows that, you know, I'm really trying to learn and gain, um, not just for my own agenda, but it kind of brings people into this conversation. And in HR, we like to talk sometimes. We sometimes talk before we listen. So that kind of helped me hone into this. How do I leverage curiosity in a power, as a power of good? And in a way that will bring positive outcomes out of that versus having it look like as, a negative. So like, like, what yeah, do you, you care? Don't want You're it to an be, HR. Well, you don't want it to be feel like an interrogation, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's and that's where collaboration comes in because collaboration is a natural dance. It should be very organic and it's mutually beneficial for both parties. So when you can have collaboration, it means I can think differently than you, but we can have constructive dialogue on it um, in a way that isn't threatening, is in a way that doesn't, you know, have intent or self-agenda. Uh, and um, I'm laughing because Felton's handler showed up. His manager is going to take care <laughs> of his behavior. Uh, but it's it's such a wonderful thing when it kind of leads to collaboration. And it's that vulnerability piece. Um, when your vulnerable curiosity is in in some aspects being vulnerable because you're recognizing I know I don't know something. Mm -hmm. I want to know more. Um, not in, in, a, in a way that helps create something new. And that's being vulnerable. It's funny you say that. Um, uh, being in a sales role for so long now, um, 16, 17 years, when you first start off, you want to pretend like you know everything. So you don't want to ask any questions, right? Because you're, you're, you're not confident enough to ask these questions. It's, you know, you, you wanna pretend that you know everything. And the more successful I've become and more confident I've become in my role, I ask more questions, right? It's like, it's okay to not know everything. And it's also, um, yeah, it can be vulnerable, but it also allows other people to sort of share and let them talk and give them mm -hmm. the opportunity because we all like talking and talk about ourselves and talking about sort of our needs or, or wants. And um, as long as it feels genuine, people are typically open to, to sharing with you, right? Yes. It's, that's where the vulnerability, vulnerability piece comes in. And I think it's really important that when we want to build trust and relationships with people, we have to be authentic about it. And not to say, well, you're doing five other things, right? We have so many distractions. That's right. uh, and that you're hollow listening, like I'm present, but I'm not mentally present because I'm multitasking and we know multitasking is not humanly possible. 
legit, like our brain is not wired to multitask. So at least if we're listening and in the moment, we show we're intent, we're present and what you're seeing matters and we're processing it to try to be able to help you. Um, and I think that sometimes when we're trying to do so much or we say we're listening, but we're not picking up on those details, when you're present in the moment, you're giving yourself to the other person, that is authentic trust and respect. That shows what that person, what you're telling me, I, I think it's important and I'm giving all of my senses to be able to listen to what you're saying. Uh, yeah. It's hard. I mean, in HR, my HR day has been crazy. And so, you know, we're balancing and juggling, but we need to be in the moment for whoever we need, who needs us there in the moment at that time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is everything okay on that? Andy, you need to take a quick Yeah, break. everything is okay. Um, the handler, the manager says we're going to have to have some, this, you know, job in jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you got to love the interns yeah. working remote. And I think everybody knows Dalton and Tessa now, especially if you're part of HR Unite. So they're all used to it. And they okay. sleep most of the day, except when I'm on these calls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the, just the yeah, Murphy's Law, it's right? life. Listen, yeah. this part of our, listen, I brought, we brought everybody in our home. This is being authentic. This is us, right? No different than somebody coming to the, you know, our desk saying, hey, you got a minute? Let's talk about that picture of you ice fishing. That's right. right. That's right. Um, you mentioned a couple of things and a couple of notes that I had uh, is one is this like myth of multitasking and and sort of this, it's, it's just not real, right? Um, you, you already started to, to discuss it, but like talk about um, how do you as an HR professional, let's say you are in charge of one site or you're the only HR person on a particular team and you feel like this pressure of like, what's next? I haven't looked at my, my inbox and 30 minutes and I know that these things are coming like what do I do I want to give this person attention but I don't I I'm already feeling myself sort of falling behind like how do you lock in and like really start to you know continue to give that undivided attention so this is where we need to learn to set boundaries and we can prioritize. So for example, I'm just going to talk about my day-to-day. -day. I had meetings scheduled uh, and then an urgent issue came up. And this was something that demanded of my immediate attention. And so I modified my schedule a little bit where I had a, um, a meeting with somebody scheduled and we shortened it because we recognized like, listen, you know, I know your time is valuable, but is it okay? I have this very pressing issue that requires my immediate attention. And so that person was absolutely, because they know if they were in that same situation, I would grant them the same courtesy and respect. Yeah. So if we recognize the sense of urgency and what I tell any leader I support, any employees, individual contributor to executive leader I support, I'll, I'll give them, you know, here's the rules of engagement. If you call and I don't answer, I will respond as soon as possible. If you email, same thing. If it is an urgent, immediate need, you can text me. And if I'm in a meeting, I will ask you, is this something I need to, you know, respond to immediately? 
right? So it's the sense of here's how you escalate the situation and recognizing that I, I'm giving of my time where I committed it. But if this is a serious need, I'll, you know, adjust nine times out of 10 Baxter, if somebody's calling me and I do that, they're like, oh no, this can wait. Or they'll leave me a voicemail. Hey, I know you're probably in a meeting right now when you get done. Or now you're training them because you're setting, and training isn't the right word, but you're setting the rules of engagement to say, here's how I operate because I want to make sure I give my time appropriately to those that need it in the moment and recognizing that if it's an urgent need, I'm here for you. But if not, I will respond in a very timely manner. So you're recognizing that they need your attention setting the expectation. And I will tell you, it's made my HR life so much easier. And sometimes it takes a couple little reminders, but we in society have a 24-7 on-demand access to information, which means I'm going to text you, I'm going to call you, I'm going to email you, I'm going to go on Twitter, I'm going to go on LinkedIn and direct message you. Like we have all this immediate, like we want response, response, response. Versus if you just start setting those rules of engagement, it's amazing on how much calmer, <laughs> uh, calmer your life can be, which, you know, thankfully my four-legged interns are still in that learning how to engage in a professional setting, uh, but, you know, we'll get there. It, it takes time. It takes time. Um, the the um, brilliant and just, like phenomenal, like Brene Brown, you talked about her and um, in, in the book. And I, I mean, personally, we, I don't think we've had this conversation, but I've learned a lot about um, just myself and this whole like power of like vulnerability over the years, you know, listening and, and reading Brene as well. Um, talk about the this vulnerability in a professional setting where you 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 want to show transparency but you also don't want to cross like lines like like how do you handle a professional setting like building rapport with uh folks that you support without sort of crossing that that line because they can kind of bleed into one another at times right so it's really important because hr is lonely right? It's not like we can go have typical conversations. We are the guardians of important information and very right. confidential information and no more information that we can yield. Sometimes like the dark saber, you know, um, you know, power. And so sometimes people view us at, as that and they try to leverage us like we're the water cooler gossip tree. And so we need to and can approach these conversations and building rapport with leaders to say, you can build trust. So if you tell me something, this is something that I do with, with anyone that I'm you know, building a relationship with professionally or not, right? If you entrust me with something, I am going to hold that with extreme trust and it stays between us unless I have to share it with somebody else, in which case in HR, right? Sometimes we es escalate things and then I let them know if that's going to happen. Uh, and hold that trust, which means if, if somebody needs to know, I only share with them what they need to know. I'm not going to share all of the backstory because it's irrelevant. It's personal, right? But I will tell them what they need to know if they need to know it. And I think that helps. 
Um, the other piece I will say, Brene Brown has changed the way I deliver HR and have delivered HR since I read um, The Gift of Imperfections, mm -hmm. uh, which was one of her very first books. And it was a gift shared to me. Somebody heard me speak and they're like, you really need to like, read this book. Um, and in about, had to do with, um, she takes shame and vulnerability. She's tied it to employee engagement, which is very impactful, but we think about HR, it's the world we live in. And Brene talks about vulnerability. Not everybody is worthy to hear your story and it's started, but when you're in a place, right, where it's trusted and valued, you can, and that's where you're in your safe place of vulnerability. When somebody's not going to take what you share and leverage it against you as a weapon or use it against you or twist it for their own benefit, but they're going to celebrate your story with you. Uh, and, you know, be there for you. Uh, and, um, you know, one of the greatest quotes, it's not a Brene Brown quote, it's a Theodore Roosevelt quote, but she talks about it in a couple of her books. I want to say daring greatly is, you know, if you're not in the arena getting your butt kicked, right, blood, sweat and tears, if you're not in the arena, then, right, you're not supporting me, right, that that trust piece. And that was a very powerful quote, I just paraphrased very minimally from Theodore Roosevelt from, you know, World War II. So I think it's important that we approach HR with authenticity, being our authentic selves, allowing employees and our leaders to be in an authentic, safe space. I think it's important that we approach HR with empathy. Um, empathy is, you know, you can have sympathy, I feel bad for you, or, you know, approach every transaction, even though I, I'm not a transactional HR individual, but there's parts of the employee life cycle that are transactional in nature. So it's not just when I'm coaching somebody, it's not when I'm having, you know, we're onboarding or doing these things, but it doesn't matter how small the interaction is. If we approach that interaction in a place of empathy or a place of recognizing it's our ability to make an impact, we can, again, truly be amazing HR professionals and build those trust and relationships. It's just getting past it, like I, you know, check the box, right? Or we hide behind email um, versus doesn't matter how minimal. Well, so I, I processed the request for a benefit card today. Well, you don't know that their child's ill, maybe needs insulin from Walgreens and the, the spouse is at home crying because they don't know what they're going to do. And you just made sure they had a card right? Do you know the impact you made and didn't even realize it versus yeah. make every little interaction we have matter, right? Approaching through empathy. I recognize you may not think the same I am. I recognize you think differently, but how can I, right? How can I help? How can I support? What can I do um, in recognizing that that's a, that's a great and powerful strength for, for HR to leverage? Absolutely. Um, I have so when you when you talk about this, you know, you know, sort of being in the arena, right? Making sure you know you're you're not hiding behind email, especially if it's bad news, right? And you don't want to necessarily have to share that via phone call or sort of face to face meeting. When I think about, I'm listening to you. And I think I I can't help but think about the time commitment that you're making. Um, how does one with a small HR department 
that wants to focus on more strategic sort of things, but they're, so they're sort of inside the day-to-day. -day. Whether it's one, two, three people, depending on, on the size of the org, you know, five, six people still ain't enough um, to, to do everything that needs to be done or support support the teams uh, properly. How, do, how does HR advocate for itself to, you know, add more resources inside of the human resources department in order to allow um, the, the, the leaders to be more strategic? Because I think that's where a lot of the transactional stuff starts is people just, you know, HR leaders don't have the time to, that they really want. Mm -hmm. And they have all this, this, this stuff on their desk is sort of piling up. So how does how does one advocate or make the business case for for additional resources inside their department? So the first thing is, is you have to find the courage, find the courage to put yourself out there and find your voice. And sometimes that starts very minimally, like when you're starting to set those boundaries, um, leader expectations, right? There's a, they have a sense of expectation, but if you start putting it back, they, they respond, right? But if we keep giving and, you know, when they want an immediate response and we keep doing it and we keep going back to those emails and fear, right? It's preventing us from doing something else in the organization and our time is valuable. So how do you want to spend it? Do you want to spend it knee deep in the weeds, which in an HR department of one, which I've lived many, many times in my career, uh, sometimes we do, we're doing everything, generally everything in our day is chaotic and it's hard to plan and where they won't listen to me or they just view me as this. In order for them to view you differently, you got to start putting yourself in a light that you can be seen differently. And it's learning how to use your voice to build that business case to say, yes, if I implement this new HRIS system that has asset management and automate these processes, transactional processes, I will have more time to do X. And sometimes when you're having conversations or you're in meetings and you're picking up what's going on in the organization, we will see those opportunities before they do and we can start planting the seeds. Mm. And so that is a Again, when we put ourselves out there and, and, and create opportunities for, they, for us to see differently or ask or use our HR voice to benefit ourselves. That is one thing we struggle with, Baxter, is sometimes we can advocate for every single person in the organization, but we can't advocate for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we should take all the things that we help each other do in other areas of the organization and apply them to us, which means you know, asking, building a definable business case, putting together supportive data. Um, the other thing is HR departments of one can do is you start with one person in the organization and you start building an, um, you know, a good partnership and having them be an advocate for you. I will tell you, sometimes I pick the one that doesn't like HR the most, or you hear, wow, they're an naysayer. Sometimes it's not that they don't like us, they just don't know what we do or don't think we can help them. So if we put ourselves in a light and create opportunities that we're here when they need them, or, hey, have you thought about this with our curiosity? We win them over and then other departments will follow. And you start building that reputation and then you start building that case because you're thinking like them versus using our HR voice, right? To, you know, we need this. Nobody, we have our own language, right? Do you speak HR, Baxter? 
Are you fluent in HR? I feel no. like we need a translator droid or something to help us. But we yes. forget. Yeah. So when we're having the conversation with leaders about why we need something, we're talking as if we're talking to another HR professional that gets it. And our leaders don't speak the language. So can we speak their language first in a way that they can connect it back to what the business is doing and connect it back to return on investment and profitability? Then other positive things will happen. And that's yeah. our struggle. Yeah. The struggle is real. Um, for, for folks that are, are you know, looking to get into HR or very early in their HR careers, what's a, like a piece of advice that you would give that you wish that uh, someone could have given you um, going in to, to this? I mean, I know things have changed quite a bit, but as far as um, there's still some things that still, you know, ring true today just like they did you know before right what what sort of advice would you give a couple of pieces uh one main thing you know that you would give to to the folks that are trying to find their way in the hr world so hopefully for those that are newly trying to enter hr i know you're probably struggling because it is very hard to break into our profession why that's on us and we need to do better so please don't give up and the one piece of advice I would tell my younger HR self is to not get so wrapped up about what's going on in the four walls of my organization because there's so much more HR out there. So find a way to have dialogue with HR professionals, um, other HR professionals, either through HR Unite is a group. Um, you have coffee talkies where it's groups of 10. It's like HR peer group therapy. But it allows us to come together and say, hey, have you ran into this? Or is it me? Or what would you do? I'm struggling with this. So support, navigate. I wish I would have had one of those early on in my career because I was so afraid of making a mistake or something that I could learn from those that went through that journey before me. Um, the other thing I would mention is to leverage um, and don't be afraid to be a fan. So when I started in HR, listen, we were still had dial up internet, if that. What's uh, that? So, yeah, like AM, <laughs> AOL Instant Messenger, where I might be able to go. But now we have this cool thing called social media, which has Twitter and LinkedIn. You are not on Twitter. Twitter has the most inclusive, dynamic, global HR community on it. It's hashtag HR community. Uh, it's allowed me to engage with professionals from in Spain and London and all over the world, all over the country. And it really opened my eyes that there's things in HR that are very unique, but there's things that are very common. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really supportive community. I mean, the likes of Steve Brown, which HR Rising, HR on Purpose, like he is the greatest HR leader ever assembled. He's the GOAT greatest of all time. Uh, Steve Brown um, is just an amazing human and I absolutely adore him. And I hope to someday be as great and as a human and HR leader as he is, but right, that's somebody I look up to. And Steve's got about eight years on me. So he would have been, you know, at that point in career where I'm getting to that next level. And so I can learn from him. And, and now we can have dialogue and conversations with these individuals. I mean, Steve is like the official ambassador of the HR Twitter community next to Claire Petrie, 
who is a young, I'm going to say she's an emerging professional. We're not using the term young anymore, but she's earlier in her career. And I reach out to those individuals too, because it allows me to get a different perspective. Yeah. So put yourself out there, listen to others to make sure you're getting multiple perspectives about what's going on, because you can take their stories and adapt it to create your own, which is absolutely amazing and powerful. Yeah. And read. Yeah read there's some great blogs out there um there's another great podcast which i know we're on a podcast but i have to give hr social hour podcast with john and wendy a big shout out because they have similar conversations like this baxter and they're amazing and the number of people i've met or learned from like anywhere from somebody's in talent acquisition to chros is amazing um so learn listen put yourself out there and be curious yeah yeah, that's good. That's good. You talked about HR Unite, this wonderful community um, of just really dedicated to like the advancement um, and advocacy of, of HR professionals. Talk about this uh, endeavor that you started some years ago and like where it started and sort of where, where we are today, because it's just growing and it's just super cool to see the different coffee talks in the different cities and states. So yeah, talk, talk about what, what brought on the, the idea and sort of some of the uh, evolution has gone through. So I think part of what became has become these HR coffee talkies um, in HR Unite, which we are about to enter our fifth year, which is absolutely mind-boggling. We are currently in eight states and growing, and now we have all these coffee talkies um, that happen, most of them virtual right now and related to the pandemic, but some in person, is the need for a safe space. And for me, part of the driver of how do we bring people together is the conversation I mentioned. It is so hard to break into HR. And I'm, you know, nearing you know, I have more years behind me than I do ahead of me. And who do I hand off that legacy to? Uh, you know, I don't want human resources to become like the teaching profession is, which is an admirable, amazing profession. And I do teach on the side. So I am a teacher. So I empathize, but many people don't want to pursue that profession because they could get jobs or they couldn't get jobs after college or struggle to find those roles or connection to those roles. So how do we bring people together of different, you know, not just CHROs and, you know, many groups, there's great groups out there and there's mastermind groups, which I support. That's where you come with one problem and everybody solves like HR hot seat, my favorite HR mastermind community. Um, but I wanted to just a really a safe place for somebody to come and say, I'm a problem. You know, I have a problem. How can I help? How can I support you? And especially if you're in job transition or trying to break into HR do we connect people? Because I'm the ultimate connector. You are. And it organically has become what it's become. I never imagined I would have all these groups. I never imagined that we would be, you know, um, at the point we're at. Um, We now have a national conference. It's going into our third year. And we have speakers from five states this year and Canada, if borders open. Um, Never would I have thought Um, that it would become that. And it is a, the group is holistic. It is, um, there's no cost to belong. 
There's no hidden agenda other than group support. Um, it's non-solicitation and it, it's a trusted safe place for HR pros for us to give ourselves self-care because who's taking care of us? Who's checking in on us? Nobody. But now we have to take care of each other. Um, so I'm very excited uh, that it's become what it's become. And I will say, especially over practicing HR now, we're going into, now it's almost February, um, talking about COVID for almost three years. You know, we're going into our third year of this. There's no way I would have navigated COVID as an HR professional without these groups. There's yeah. absolutely no way. Um, and so we need that. We need to have that life preserver. So um, groups are no more than 10. They meet once a month. Uh, we call them coffee talkies. Um, the cost is your time on a cup of coffee. Uh, and we, it, again, just put this amazing vibe and, hey, we got you. We're here for you. There's no judgment. If there's judgment, I will throw you out. And I've asked a couple people, you know, this isn't the group for them, right? Yeah. Maybe this isn't for you. We don't know everything, but we share what we know and we learn from others. Right, right. And it's uh, it keeps growing. And uh, if you're listening to this and you want to, if you're an HR pro and want to be a part of a group, then reach out. I'm here for you and we will find you a group because that's the power of the virtual community now. Like this whole yeah. virtual thing's taken off. Look at there, I will place you with a group of HR um, people that will raise their hand and say, me too. We won't try to one up each other, but believe me, there's always like, oh, you dealt with this. Let me tell you what I <laughs> dealt with. You cannot make this up. And then we laugh or we cry. Yeah, yeah. What um, going into this sort of fifth year? What what's what's upcoming? What are what are some of the things that um, are on the horizon for twenty twenty two? So I'm really excited because the expansive, amazing, dynamic people within the HR community and HR Unite community, including you, Baxter. Um, okay. have some great, um, you know, we can tap into this knowledge and, and be able to bring people together for really needed conversations. So in March, we're going to have our third, would have been our fourth annual HR Leaders on Leadership event. It's taking place in person on March 4th in Troy, Michigan uh, at Walsh College. Uh, it's uh, the HR, it's, a, it's a, my version of HR Storytellers. Uh, where we allow leaders to get up and share their authentic stories and leadership. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you want to fire somebody all in the first 30 minutes, but they expand their, um, share their story. It's a half day event and it is amazing. It is just the coolest vibe. Um, and we limit the audience because we want that authenticity to feel like I'm just having a conversation with a friend. Um, it is being recorded because we understand there's a lot of people that want to attend and we are still navigating a pandemic. So we're having it recorded. So if you can't join us live, which is super cool, if you can, um, then you can watch it after the fact. We'll have the recordings available of six really amazing people and HR professionals. Um, right. So very excited about that. Uh, it sells out every year. And again, it's it's just something that you sit back and in awe and they're like, wow, I I I just I learn. I I just love it. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Um, the other thing is I'm gonna plug another good friend of mine, member of the HR Unite community. His name is Tony Moore, and he wrote my favorite book ever, Culture in 4D. So Tony and I have partnered up at the end of March to offer a workshop 
because I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I find myself navigating difficult dialogue lately, especially when shouty caps and email, like people just forgetting, maybe you shouldn't say that, or the tone and manner in which you have this conversation, or I don't want to talk to Baxter. I have to give him difficult feedback and I don't know how to do it because he's working remotely. Um, how do we do that? So Tony Moore, who is an amazing leadership, um, he's one of us and he is just, his insight is impactful. He's, we're hosting a masterclass uh, March 25th, 26th, 27th virtually. It's a special Unite, HR Unite discount because this area of conversation has come up a lot in our HR Unite community. Tony is a member of one of our always virtual groups. And so him and I were having this conversation of, uh, I'm like, hey, can you coach me on it? And if he's going to coach me, I'm going to invite all my friends, whoever wants to join us for this amazing masterclass. Uh, so um, there is an HR Unite discount uh, that is available for that. And if you go to the HR Unite page, um, LinkedIn page, you'll find that discount code. But um, I hope you can join us. Um, and then the last piece, which I know you were there last year, um, Baxter, I know you are a huge fan of buttered noodles. Right. And all that is good food offered by the Liberian Inn and Lodge in Frankenwood, Michigan. And Dorothy Zender's recipes, Dorothy Zender is, again, a legend. Uh, we will be hosting HR Unite 22, again, in Frankenmuth. And it's a blended event. So we have eight states and we have a footprint in 30. So we have HR people across 30 wow. states that are part of our community. So... We're going to have a blended, which means you can attend virtually or in person event again this year. And uh, just so your, your listeners can take advantage, Tim Sackick, who uh, is legendary in the TA space and is an HR leader, and Terry Bean, who is the author of Be Connected, again, is a master connector, another one of my favorite books. They are both our keynotes this year. Oh, nice. And so... It's going to be really good. And there'll be buttered noodles, probably some pie, I would guarantee, because Bavarian Inn has the best food ever. And uh, Baxter, I know you're coming. So if people want to come hang out with Baxter and I and Frank yes. the move at a really cool place for amazing conversations and food, yes. join us. Yes, you can't beat it. Good people, good food. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and it's, it's funny, you know, you, throughout this conversation, you shouted out other communities, other HR professionals, um, you, you, you know, you're, you are a connector and a collaborator, like through and through. It's, it's not some title that you kind of use and it's like this empty, like you're, like you're the real deal. And, um, I just want to shout out the book again. It is Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. Um, just a lot of just great stories, great um, uh, strategies as far as or ways to approach certain things. And it's just a lot of nuggets to think about. And again, you know, areas where you can sort of jot down your own notes. It, you may not have... Uh, had the exact same thing happen to you, but you probably as an HR professional had something very similar happen. And it's, hey, we're gonna pull the curtain back, talk about some of these things and challenge you to be better and to be more collaborative, right? Um, 
and this is this is a public service announcement to, to all leaders who are in charge of scheduling meetings. Meetings do not equal collaboration, right? We need to make sure that we are um, scheduling these meetings and putting meetings on people's calendars that are, are effective and that make sense, right? Because we don't want people to start to roll their eyes every time they get an invite from you because we don't know what we're trying to accomplish in these things, right? Yes, meeting for the sake of meeting does not equal collaboration. Uh, and I share very how I lived through that, an organization that sought they, they, one of their core values was collaboration. I was like, Eesh, no, it looks, my calendar looked like somebody threw up on it. Or it's every <laughs> color of the rainbow and meeting stacked on top of meeting, stacked on top of meetings. And I was like, don't you check, I'm not available. Yeah. Um, so the one thing I will say in conjunction to that is collaboration can happen anywhere. And we are in a blended or virtual work environment, especially we can work from anywhere because work is not defined by the four walls you call your office and it is defined by the environment you allow your employees to work in. So I want to preface that by saying, if you make a trusted space where people feel like it's okay to fail and they can feel they can use their voice and say what they need to say, collaboration can happen anywhere and it's happening everywhere now. And we need to acknowledge that and embrace it. For sure, for sure. Um, you you are a strategist in the HR um, world, uh, you know, um, a consultant. Um, if people want to learn more about some of the, the things that you offer as a consultant, they want to be connected or learn more about HR Unite, where should they go? So they can always find me on social media. Um, I am on LinkedIn. I am Tina Marie Wolfield. There is now a hyphen in my name for those that know the backstory. I have a two name, first name, no space, and nobody gets it right. So I've slipped a hyphen in to see if that helps. But so it's Tina Marie Wolfield. Uh, and um, HR Unite, HR Unite is one word. So you can find us on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. I'm active on Twitter at TM Wolfield, or just type in Tina Marie Wolfield. I'm the only one out there as of right now. Um, and you can also find out more about HR Unite at our website, which is www.hrunitemichigan.com. Nice. Nice. No and selling. Again, we are an inclusive community, and I say that, and Baxter knows that. Like, all are welcome. Um, as long as you're there for to give as much as to receive, right? We learn from each other and we share, then we welcome you. Um, listen, we're all in this together. That's right. That's right. I've just been so impressed um, at, you know, knowing you from afar, but getting to know you. And, um, you know, you really honestly inspire me to continue. You know, sometimes you make a lot of... Uh, deposits right you're you're helping people you're doing you know you're just trying to add value you're connecting folks and every once in a while you're like dang man uh i don't i, I feel like i've you know sort of making more deposits i'm not receiving much it, it can feel very feel very thankless and then there are people like yourself tina marie that remind you of why you do what you do and why you you know 
and it kind of inspires me to continue to sort of um, look to where I can add value without, you know, the thanks will come when they're supposed to come, right? And and those things, you know, you'll be able to reap those benefits. Maybe not when you when you're expecting them, but but whenever the time, you know, whenever the right time presents itself, those things will sprout up, and you'll be able to, you know, uh, be the benefactor of, of it. But mostly, it's we do what we do because we we enjoy helping others, right? And and we we our ego kind of starts to creep up every once in a while. And go. This person hasn't done a whole lot for you, but you've done, you know, and and it's hard, you know. Sometimes you got to quiet that that voice, and you know, you are one of those people that are always giving, always connecting people, and always sort of putting others first. And and um, can't say that about a lot of folks. So thank you, thank you. Well, thank you. We need to remember, and you are also very good about this, is that you have to nurture your network. So sometimes when you need something, if you are a giver and people know that, if I called you back, sir, you would be like, how can I help? I'm here for you. That's right. And not with the intent to receive anything, but connections in your professional network are mutually beneficial for each other. Sometimes we forget that because in HR, right? Or in general, we're transactional. Like I need something now versus not thinking out of how, you know, how can I help or other aspects? I can, I need help now, but how can I help you in your return? Um, the other pieces, just a plug for you. So if he hasn't shared on this podcast before, uh, Baxter did receive for the work he's done on this podcast, an HR Unite Advocate Award uh, at the HR Unite 2021, which he has back there, right there, is voted on by our HR community. So we are celebrating. We're big fans of the podcast and the you've had such great conversations here, um, just very diverse on all topics and just things that we need to hear at the right time. And so I want to celebrate that. And I'm honored to finally say I've been a guest on your on your podcast. And just thank you and keep up all the HR awesome and making a difference because you are. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's very sweet. And I will cash up you uh, so uh, very soon for the, for the, for that shout out. Um, so uh, seriously, it's been a pleasure. We always have a good time chatting. Um, I'm glad we were able to sort of record it and, and talk about the book. I, I think it's something that HR professionals should uh, read and check out. Again, it is Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, Developing Impactful HR Partnerships Through Collaboration. Um, on behalf of Tina Marie, I am Baxter E Hall, and I just want to let everyone know out there that you are all capable. You just have to make sure you embrace your own frequency. Um, and until next time, peace. Welcome into his brain. Welcome into his frequency. Enter at your own risk. Come be at peace with me. Ask the call where we rise and don't fall.